Welcome to the Terry and Jesse show. This is a special edition. I've asked Father Charles Murr to join us once a month at least to talk about his love for Jesus Christ and his bride to church. So, Father Murr, thanks again for joining us here. Thank you very much for having me, Terry, as always. Oh, you bet. Father Murr is the author of his latest book called Murder in the 33rd Degree. You can see it on our screen. I think Mr. Engineer put it up there. And it's on our website. It's a wonderful read. It really kind of explains what's happened in the church in the last 50 years. Uh, and it actually makes me want to pray harder and make reparation and atonement for the, I, I will call it the sins of the church. In other words, the infiltration into the church. We need to pray for these men and that the church will be renewed because it needs being renewed right now. Father Murr, the topics for today are well, this is the month of the Sacred Heart, okay? Uh, I know you have a great love for the Sacred Heart of Jesus. We're also going to be talking about good news out in Guadalajara, Mexico, where 70, nearly 70 men in one weekend were ordained to the priesthood. That's really un uh, unheard of in our modern age right now. And uh, the Cardinal had some strong advice to give to these newly ordained priests. And I wanted to ask Father Murr, who's been a priest over 40 years now, what uh, what is it that we need to do for Holy Mother of the Church to bring more men into uh, look, looking at being become priests and to sure, serve the Church as shepherds, true shepherds? So that's what we're going to be talking about. And Father Murr, first of all, for those who don't know you, you've been on our show for several years now, but can you just kind of give a little uh, summary of your own background, where you grew up, and also uh, what when you were ordained and... Um, and what you're doing now for people to uh, get an idea who you are and where you're going. Sure. I, I, just briefly, I was born in St. Paul, Minnesota on August. I, I have to tell the truth here, Terry, right? Yeah, truth and nothing but the truth. I, I, oh, God. I was born. I was born. You're going to get this out of me sooner or later. I was yeah. born on August 16th. 16th. Okay. 1950. But I always lie. I always lie. And tell everybody August 15th. Well, yeah, I would rather have it the 15th. Me too. You know why? Yeah. You know why? Go ahead. Yeah, seriously. I, no. th I think it's a pretty noble thing. I, I lied about it since I was about eight years old. Oh, my God. When I realized that everybody had to go to, to Mass on, your on August 15th. Of course. And I said, that's what they have to go to Mass on my birthday. That is so I changed it. <laughs> uh, that's, anyway. that's, that is uh, at hilarious. Least, at least I tell the truth about the lie. Well, it all anyway. comes out in the wash. Okay, Father. And so I basically, was born on August, August 16th in, in 1950 in yep. St. Paul, Minnesota. Very beautiful place. A very beautiful family. Up, upbringing. Everything good. Catholic education. Fantastic. They were the golden days. Yes. And, and actually, Terry, mm -hmm. we learned, we learned our, our faith. We learned our faith. It was we knew our faith. All of the everybody knew knew what what the what the church taught, the the, the dogmas that we believed, and get at least a rudimentary uh, sure. explanation of them. And uh, one of I was the oldest of uh, of eight children, and went to college in Green Bay, and after college went to Rome to study philosophy. Met Monsignor Mario Marini and and a number of other people, uh, Archbishop. Uh, Edward Gagnon, who later became Cardinal Gagnon, yes, and uh, became we became very close friends for all those years. And they uh, they they especially Marini, but also Gagnon called me to the priesthood. Awesome. So you went to yeah. Rome as a layman, really? Correct. I went to Rome. I went to Rome because mm -hmm. basically I wanted to I wanted to be a lawyer. 
I got. I had it in the back of my mind. Did I want to be a priest? Yes, kind of. But I thought that was impossible. <laughs> and knowing me and knowing me, that was impossible. <laughs> However, I wanted to study logic. I, and I saw this in an interview the other day. Mm -hmm. At our home, we had two kinds of people constantly there that I remember. Yeah. Priests, traveling priests, they would always, they would always. Yeah, the priest would come for dinner, and who were the other ones? I think we lost you just for a second. And we'll get Father Murr back again. Uh, this is the Terry and Jesse Show on Virgin Most Powerful. We're here interviewing Father Charles Murr, author of the book Murder in the 33rd Degree. Lawyers. Oh, there you go. And they and they were they were both in those days, every one of them, both the priests and the lawyers, had a degree in philosophy. Ah, now I get it. I mean, when when you studied law, before you studied law, you got a degree in philosophy. Well, that makes first. sense. Yes, and and I remember we had we had a, a state senator. Our state senator was a guy by the name of uh, Art Gillen. He was a great friend of my dad's, and and would come over always. And he sat down with me one time and showed me how to go through a legal case in court with logic, with logic. And he said, "You ask this question." Now, if they answer A, you're okay. If they answer B, you've got to get them to answer A. So you ask this question. It was fascinating, and it was just logic. Anyway, I went to Rome to study logic. Yeah, That's what I went to Rome to study. Awesome. And when I was there, I met uh, Cardinal Gagnon, and I met Mario Marini, Monsignor Marini, and uh, the rest is history, and here I am. And I will talk more about your book, Murder in the 33rd Degree, but I'd like to shift gears and talk a little bit about the month of June dedicated to the Sacred Heart. And I, I have to set this up for you, Father. I didn't even tell you this before sure. the show. It appalls me that the secular world is trying to take away uh, the month of June from the Sacred Heart to the rainbow to homosexual marriages, which is an abomination uh, to our Catholic faith. And I know in Italy, they just did a uh, a so-called pride parade where they did a sacrilege with Our Lady. And it was, you haven't seen it, but it's all over the internet. And mm -hmm. my point to you is we need to, we need to take back the culture. We need to take it back for Christ. And so I want to ask you, uh, I know you have a good story about the Sacred Heart, but tell us a little bit about why people should have devotion to the Sacred Heart of Jesus. Be, for, for this reason, for this reason, uh, in Latin, and in all the Latin languages, heart is core. Right. All right. Well, and that, and even in English, it makes total sense. What is the man's core? What is his heart? I, I, I love you to the core of me. I hate you to the core of me. Yes. The core, the very center of, of my being yes. is, the, is the heart. And, and it's that heart, that center of being, that the classics... And even even moderns talk about as the center of love. Yeah, um, I think anybody who's ever been in love feels love here. Yep, that's it. I've it's, been it's, there. It's not. It's not just here. It's you've been there, right? Yep. Yep. <laughs> yes, that's where that's where you that's where you you feel your center. You sure. feel your center, and it's right around your heart. Mm -hmm. It's right around your heart. Also, we have the the the, the beautiful the beautiful. Uh, happening at the crucifixion when the soldier lances yes. Christ's side through his heart. You know, I'm going to tell you something too. There's something beautiful that, that 
that Fulton Sheen turned me on to years ago when I was making his priest retreat. Yes. My gosh, that's 45, 46, 47 years ago. <laughs> anyway, the uh, I remember him making a very big point about the Greek, the Greek uh, translation, or yes, the Greek translation of the New Testament, where Mary and Joseph bring the Christ child to Simeon. Yes. And the presentation, right? We call it the presentation. And Simeon takes the child in his hands and says, this child is destined to be the rise and fall of many in Israel. Right? Mm -hmm. And then he looks at the Blessed Virgin Mary, his mother. And this is what it says in Greek. And unfortunately, St. Jerome did not translate it all the way into the, into the Latin, into the Vulgate. But it says, he looked at Mary and he said, and through your heart, a sword shall pierce also. Yes. Not just a sword shall pierce, also. Right. Just like the one, just like the lance that was going to pierce the, the, the heart of Christ. Wow. At the same Can you imagine? Yes, the, powerful. What that, that, that co-redemptress, what she felt yes. when that lance went through her son's heart. Yes. And out came blood and water. And the apostle testifies to that. The baptism, baptism and Eucharist. Yes. It, it's absolutely fantastic from that core, from that core. This is why we have a great devotion. Years ago to the to the Sacred Heart. Years ago I was on a I was on a plane. I used to get a lot, <laughs> I used to get a lot of uh, uh, conversations going on a plane. I wasn't shy. I can tell. Uh, Father, before you tell this story, because this is a fantastic story, we're going to take a quick break. And then when you come back, you won't want to miss the story about the sacred heart of Jesus and how he had a dialogue <laughs> with some Protestants about this. You're listening to the Terry and Jesse Show. I want to remind everyone about Father Charles Murr's book, Murder in the 33rd Degree. And it's an investigation into the Vatican Freemasonry that Pope Paul VI asked to have been done in the mid-70s. And Father Murr is an eyewitness to this. Uh, and you can pick it up by going to vmpr.org. Or you can call us at 877-526-215. And also, we have some of your other books in stock also. I should be promoting that too. Uh, if you can't get them from us, you can just Google his name, Father Charles Murr, Charles Murr, and uh, you can pick him up there. But we have him at, uh, at, our, at our center here. And I want to encourage you to read it because this makes me, makes you, when you read this, to realize what has happened to our church and why we need to be making prayer and reparation and sacrifices for our, especially our priests, our bishops, and the Pope, that they will return back to the traditional teachings of the church. Yes, I said it, and that's what we need to do here at Virgin Most Powerful, help you get to heaven through the perennial teachings of Christ and his church. When we come back, we'll have Father Murr tell a wonderful story about bending the sacred heart of Jesus to our separated brethren. Stay with us, family. Welcome back to the Terry and Jesse Show. To join the conversation, call 888-526-2151. Now, here's Terry and Jesse. Welcome back, indeed. We've got Father Charles Murr, our good friend, talking about devotion to the Sacred Heart. And right before the break, he was going to tell that wonderful story. So, Father, could you share that story about the Sacred Heart of Jesus, please? 
Well, I don't know how wonderful it is. I think I was on a plane. I (laughs) I was on a plane uh, from Dallas to New York, I guess it was. Mm -hmm. And I was sitting next to, I was sitting next to a gentleman who I I didn't know was a, was a Protestant pastor. Ah. Anyway, (laughs) uh, I think he, I think he was, I think he was Baptist, but anyway, he started asking me about, about, uh, about questions he was quest- asking questions about the Catholic faith, but he was asking questions in such a way that I knew what he was after. He wasn't, he wasn't interested. He was interested in a fight. Sure. I get that. <laughs> That's what he was trying to instigate. All right. So I, I listened, I listened and, and answered as well as I could. The funny thing, Terry, is mm-hmm. that where you I was seated in the plane, I realized that everyone around me, behind me, in front of me, on both sides, was listening in this discussion, right? <laughs> That's how it works. Uh, so, so I, ha- I had to give it, I had to give it my best. And he got on the Sacred Heart. He said, "You Catholics have this devotion." He said, "This it's very unreasonable thing. I, I don't understand it at all." To to the heart, why to the to the heart? He said, "Why not to the to the to the lungs of Jesus? Yeah. Why not to his kidneys? Why not to his big toe? What? Why the heart?" And I then I got into explaining just as I explained to you sure. uh, about the about the heart, the core, the center. Yeah. I said, you know, G.K. Chesterton, I told him this story too. Of G.K. Chesterton says, you know, when you look at the at the human body, symmetry is very important. You look at it on one side of, of, of your head, you have an eye. On the other side, you have an eye. You have a nostril on one side. You have a nostril on the other side. You have half your mouth on this side. Half. Everything is you have on one side, one ear here. One ear. He said, and when you get to the heart, you would assume that there would be one heart over here where it is and another heart over here. There should be two of them, but they're not two of them. There's only one because it's that fundamentally important. Mm. You can only have one heart because you can only have one heart to, to breathe, to live, to pump blood through you. And also one spiritual heart to love, right? Yeah. Well, he had no answer. To, he had no answer. Imagine. I said, that's, that's why we have the devotion. I said, besides that, Christ himself gave us that devotion. Yes. <laughs> so, on on top of that, on top of all reasoning, yeah. on top of all reason, he himself gave us that, that devotion. Awesome. So you said something, you said something that I found I found particularly interesting the other day mm-hmm. I was listening to, I think it was Matt Walsh. I love Matt Walsh. Good man. I, yeah. The guy is just a superb. He's a, a an outstanding Catholic also, right. a, pra- a real one, yes, a real one. A uh, and he, the other day, I think it was, it was either he, him or, or Michael Knowles, who is also a practicing Catholic and very witty, very intelligent, both of them. He said, in the United States of America, we have a Catholic population of 23%. There is a homosexual, or as they, they like calling themselves today, gay, population of between 1.5 and between between 0.5 and 1.5 percentage. Mm-hmm. And they have declared not just Pride Day a few years back, then it was Pride Week, and now it's the entire month. He said, if 1.5% of the American population can swing that, yes. why don't 23% announce that June is dedicated to the Sacred Heart of Jesus? Amen. 
and really mean it. Yes. Why? I can tell you why, and you know why. Yes, I do. Because we've 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 lost we've, we've lost, lost our we've, we've lost our fire. We've also lost our, our collective identity. Of course, we've lost we our identity. This is this is the whole thing. It's it's sad, but the point was we're twenty three percent. Just imagine what good we could be doing in every aspect, social and religious and political and everything in the United States. And we're not. And, we're not. It's unfortunate. And I want to give a plug to Matt Walsh, his new documentary, What is a Woman? People need Fantastic. to get that. Oh, he is awesome. Fantastic. Yeah, please, please, Fantastic. please get that. Matt Walsh documentary, What is a Woman? Father Terry, yes. Terry, do you know? Do you remember? Do you remember? You're old enough to remember Buster Keaton. Of do course. you? Yes, I do. The comedian. All yes. Right. Well, Buster Keaton was the absolute king of deadpan. <laughs> okay. And, and I, I had to explain to some people the other day. Some young people were deadpan. They had no idea what it I meant. Just this expressionless, yeah. very serious. Yeah. Matt Walsh does that. I've never seen it after Buster Keaton. Matt Walsh there takes the. Takes Thanks again. There you His go. Whole, that whole documentary was beautiful, yeah. and people should really see it. It's F- wonderful. Father, I also want to recommend, and I think you would too, to have Holmes enthroned to the sacred heart of Jesus. Absolutely. I, I, we Absolutely. did that as a child. I don't know if your family did that, but we certainly did. And as soon as I started my own family, within weeks, we had uh, the enthronement of the sacred heart because we had a new home, and I wanted to dedicate that to the sacred heart and our family. And, of course, we enthroned also the Immaculate Heart of Mary. As you know, the feast days are coming up, and they're inseparable. They're one after another because the two hearts beat together, Mary's heart and our Sacred Heart. Um, Father, that's the Sacred Heart. I'd like to shift gears to a very, very important topic. I mean, we're going to talk about an article that came out about the new— almost 70 new priests ordained in one week and in Mexico and Guadalajara— now, the cardinal there, from my understanding, has a reputation for orthodoxy. And so uh, he's pretty serious about the formation of their priests. And I would say, <clears throat> based on what I'm reading of his homily, he, he warned the new priest that the world can enter into your heart and mind and our priesthood, and the world will make us, um, you know, to, to, lead, to, to basically not be a holy priest. Don't forget that. And that we are we are really shepherds of souls. And I thought, well, it's just a, I mean, it sounds like, well, of course that's the case. But I really wonder, Father Murr, uh, what is going on? Because many, like the Diocese of New York, they're very, they, they didn't have any ordinations. You know, um, L.A. had just a couple this year. Um, what is it going to take to uh, really uh, get more young men uh, fired up to give their lives and service to Christ and his church. And number two question is, um, what was it that got you fired up about the priesthood? Well, let me, let me, let me uh, get right into the first, because this is very, this is very, uh, very curious uh, to me. Yes. I had a, I, I had a dream. Did you ever hear that? I, maybe 1964. I yes. I remember that one. <laughs> I had a dream just a, a few nights back, and I was just telling this to, to, to someone yesterday morning and this morning to another person uh, about the, the upcoming papal election. Yes. Now, now, don't get me wrong, all right? I'm not a visionary. I'm not a visionary, and I'm, I'm certainly no saint to have visions like this. Right. But I had a dream that was very, very real. I got to hear it. And, and in that dream, 
the man who won the election, Papa, Papa Bergoglio went to his reward and there was a new election, a new election. And the man who won that election was Francisco Robles Ortega, the Cardinal Archbishop of Guadalajara. Yep. <laughs> who was a good who was a who was a good friend of mine we studied together in Rome. What? I did not know that. He's he's a he's a I'm going to tell you something. And the more I think about it and I it just came to me because I haven't thought about him the longest time. He's a saintly man to begin with. Yeah. Very very pious, no kidding. Uh he, he would spend any time you went by the chapel in, in the Mexican college Half of the times, yeah, he was there. Wow, he was there. Very, very serious student. Very great sense of humor. Great, a very, very beautiful sense of humor, and very humble. Uh, a very humble good combination. Man. Yeah, wonderful. And he's also he's also the kind of man I suppose because I haven't seen him in years. But uh, we used to go out. We used to go out uh, for pizza and, and things together, and, and we were we were not we were not close close, but yeah, we, we were good friends. He was also a friend of Marini's, Got right, it. of Monsignor Mar Marini. But uh, he always seemed to me, he seemed a priest. Priest. Ah. Remember a couple of times we talked about good Sister Rosalima in fourth grade. Yes, she said. She said. To the class, and I'll never forget it because I thought it was a contradiction. She said, somebody asked about vocations. We were talking about vocations of the priesthood. And she said, uh, if you can't, how, how do you know if you have a vocation or you don't have a vocation? She said, well, if you're a, if you're a young man, because priesthood is only open to men, mm -hmm. just as it was only it was because Christ was a man. Sure. There was no conflict in those years with, with nonsense. She said, the point is, if you can't imagine yourself a good father and good husband, you shouldn't think about becoming a priest. I've heard, yes, that's well said. And I said, I said, I said, oh, this is incredible. She was the most, one of the most beautiful women I, I've ever seen. She just died a, a couple of years ago, Sisters of St. Casimir. Uh, but, and we were great friends, but it didn't make any sense to me. I said, but priests don't get married. What are you talking about? What are you talking about? A, a good husband? A good, she said, I'm telling you that if you can't imagine being a good husband and a good father, you don't have a vocation to the priesthood. Wow. And if, and if you can see yourself as a good husband and a good father, you should think about the priesthood. <laughs> that one didn't make any sense to me at that time. Oh, it will. Boy, oh boy. When the, as the years went by, <laughs> I understood more and more exactly what she was saying exactly what she was saying and this man this man francisco robles is exactly that he's a man's man he's a good father yes. he's a good father he's a good friend he's serious he knows how to be serious he's deeply spiritual and he also has a smile he is just great and all of a sudden i woke up with a dream yes just three days ago that he was elected pope incredible and i thought and I thought to myself, I, I woke up during the dream, and, and that's the only time I remember dreams when I wake up in the middle of them. I said, wouldn't that be the great solution? You're not kidding. Wouldn't that be a magnificent solution? Because he really is orthodox. Good. He really is orthodox. He's true. Uh, when when, uh, when the, the Pope's document came out, uh, if you will, in quotes, forbidding the Latin mass. Yes. He immediately canceled 
all of the Latin masses, boom, in Guadalajara. Wow. And then just a matter of days later, he said, no, 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 that's not what the document says. And I don't have to do that. No, go ahead. So, so they went ahead. Yes. Uh, you know, you're talking about in the, in the Archdiocese of Guadalajara, 70 young men were ordained priests. Incredible. Incredible. Right? But I've got to tell you, if you would see the seminary of Guadalajara, <clears throat> the seminary, the seminary is a small city. Really? I, I went there to give a lecture one time years ago. There are over a thousand students. Time out. Time out. We're going to take a break. I want to hear about the seminary because we never heard of anything like that here in the States. You're listening to the Terry and Jesse Show. Father Charles Murr, author of Murder in the 33rd Degree book on the issue of Freemasonry. Check us out at vmpr.org. Get his book. We'll be back to hear about the seminaries in Mexico, Guadalajara. Welcome back to the Terry and Jesse Show. To join the conversation, call 888-526-2151. Now, here's Terry and Jesse. Welcome back to the Terry and Jesse Show. Father Charles Murr visiting us for a special edition. And Father Murr, you, I did not realize that you were friends with the Cardinal here in Guadalajara, Mexico. You were just in the middle of telling us about your visit to the seminary, because this is very inspiring. We're just not used to hearing this kind of um, you know, statements about uh, so many priests being ordained. Tell us a little bit about your experience at the seminary in Guadalajara. Well, first of all, Guadalajara is a is a is a this, what is it the second largest city I believe in in Mexico, second or third, maybe Monterrey is second. Uh, but it also has a history. The whole area of Jalisco, Michoacan, Guanajuato, and Colima; those were the strongest areas during the persecution, the Masonic persecution yeah. of the Catholic Church from 1924 to 1930. Uh, And many people gave their lives. Many, many men were shot and killed defending the Catholic faith. Wow. Uh, What was the name of the movie, Terry? It was a recent one. Yeah. Greater Glory. Greater Glory, yes. Greater Glory. I I took a little bit of issue with the movie because I found it confusing. Mm -hmm. I found it confusing. Yeah. Uh, I didn't understand it so well. I thought it could be better, had been better presented, but it was good. It was good. And it gave the idea of, of what happened there. So there isn't, there isn't a, there isn't a town hardly in, in the Archdiocese of Guadalajara, uh, Ciudad Guzman and San Juan de los Lagos are all, were all part of that same Archdiocese at one time where there isn't a martyr. Wow. That explains That's exactly it. I mean, People, people that were they were not kidding. They they went out they went out uh, full for their faith, and defended it completely, even to death, even to death. They were hung, they were beaten, they were tortured. Uh, it didn't matter. They continued on with the faith. So that faith is very well rooted, very well rooted, and because it's so well rooted, it's also a privilege and an honor to have a son or a nephew who's a priest or who's studying for the priest. This is when, when you listen to parents, they say, my son is in the seminary. <laughs> very, very proud. And, 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 and well, they should be. Of course. And well, they should be. Right. But it's, it's really, it's really something. It's really something. And it's not a way for, for those who are going to poo-poo it. It's not a way for people to get from poverty up to a different social stratus level. 
That's not that's not what, what's happening. These are people who are from all different uh, stations in life who are becoming priests, and it's it's marvelous. But when I was I was uh, I was uh, I was uh, invited one time years ago. This is like forty two years ago to give a a, a lecture at the seminary in Guadalajara, and I I, I couldn't believe it. <laughs> there were I, at that time there were there I believe I might be wrong, but I think there were one thousand two hundred students. Unbelievable. In philosophy what? and theology. Oh yeah, philosophy and theology. Incredible. Uh, at, at our seminary, where I was also a professor of, of theology in San Juan de los Lagos, which was part of Guadalajara, they, 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 they divided the, the Archdiocese of Guadalajara. We had, at that time, uh, close to 300 men in theology. Wow. Right? So, and the, but, but these, again, these were the hardest hit areas during the persecution of the church and almost i i said to you yeah. just a moment ago that almost almost every city every town has a martyr let me take that back almost every family does that's incredible almost every family has a martyr has has a member of their family who was martyred during that persecution so the faith is is strong it's strong there father i have to just ask you we've you know, when you hear things like this, it's very inspiring from Americans to hear about a seminary like that and the faith being so strong. I, it seems to me, and I'm just giving you my take, here in America, we've had it so easy for so long. And it seems like we've kind of just lulled into the culture where, you know, being a Catholic meant nothing today. It really, you know, being a, a Catholic, if we look at what Catholics, uh, you know, vote for, what Catholics believe. I mean, I'll give you an example. There was a, a study that just came out on this issue of abortion, saying that you know 58% of baptized Catholics say abortion should be legalized and we shouldn't roll back the weight. Now, this is uh, scandalous that people who are baptized Catholics have just melted into the culture of death. Does it make sense to you that maybe the only way that we are going to be brought back to orthodoxy being brought back to the true faith is that maybe we need a good persecution. Well, whether we need it or not, whether we need it or not, it's coming. Yeah, I agree. No, no there's, there's, there's no question about it. I, I think when you look at the, the level, I, again, I'm 72 years old, or will be. I've never seen the United States of America, which I love, mm -hmm. So divided. Exactly. I've never seen that. As a matter of fact, I don't think I've ever seen any country. I've lived in many countries. I've never seen any country so divided. And not just divided ideologically. I really see the leftist mm -hmm. portion of that divide as real, true. Some of them, some of them, not everyone, but most of them, but many of them are true haters. Yes. I mean, absolute haters. Anything they can do to to show their disgust, their their hatred, they do. It's a, it's a. We keep hearing the word dialogue. The Pope is talking about that. We have to dialogue. We have to sit down. To, you can't dialogue. Exactly. This is this is the problem. This yeah. is exactly the problem. There is no dialogue because they're not open to it. Marxism has never been open to it. Well, uh, liberalism, liberalism, and republicanism—not republicanism in the American sense, in the European sense yes, of the republicanism—has right? never been open to dialogue. Yep. They they say they are, 
to get a foot in the door, but they really aren't. That's just a way of, of beginning to take control. We're divided terribly, terribly. Well, just to affirm what you're saying, just yesterday we had the Department of Homeland Security come out, send letters to all the archdiocese of, of America, uh, a letter saying that if Roe versus Wade is overturned on Monday, which we're expecting that, uh, that uh, your churches will be attacked. We've we've got information that we will have that, and also your clergy will be attacked. So make the appropriate arrangements to not be exposed if this happens, because we're warning you uh, there's some physical actions that from the bad guys are going to come out and do this. I... Uh, I that just one, one thing. One thing. Let me just jump in here, Terry. Yeah, yeah, do it. Did they? Did they? Did they also say? Did they also say? But don't worry about it because we're here to protect you. No, nothing about that. No, absolutely <laughs> nothing, nothing like about that. that. No. They're just saying here, heads up. These people have made threats. They're going to do bad things to the Catholic Church and to your clergy. So be aware. At least we told you. See, and that's what you yeah. just said. You said we're divided. Are you kidding me? And, and you know, some people say that it will cause a civil war over the abortion issue. Well, what was the civil war about slavery last time? And how much worse is, I mean, at least a slave got to live. Uh, an unborn baby is executed in the mother's womb. This is how bad this is. And we're, and we're living in a time where uh, even... Uh, so-called, they, they say they're, you know, people say things, but I'd rather know what they do is more important than what they say. We've got a president of the United States who says he's a, a baptized Catholic and he's for killing unborn babies. Uh, Pelosi, Speaker of the House, says she's a devout Catholic and she's for, you know, promoting the killing unborn babies. This is uh, ludicrous what they're saying. And here's the point, Father, and this is my concern as a layman. We need strong leadership in the church to call these guys out and that this is not true because it's scandalous to say that you're a good Catholic. I'll give you one more comment. I'm sorry to get off on my, you know, off on this. No, no, go ahead, go ahead. The point ahead. I'm making Enjoy. is Benedict, when he met, um, when, when he met Pelosi in 2006, he told her of a natural law that you need to defend life and, and you're in danger of losing your soul if you're promoting abortion. And then when Pelosi goes to see Pope Francis, uh, you know, this is uh, pictures, and he would Benedict wouldn't even let pictures be taken. The point I'm making is it's scandalous to see our leaders not speak out clearly on the life issues. And I'm 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 in I'm not in sales. I'm in uh, you know man, I'm not in management. I am in sales to promote the faith. But when I see leadership dressed like you being quiet, it bothers me. Sure, and 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 you have every right to be bothered. We have look. Let me let me let me put it this way. Hit me. Again, again, this is the Holy Gospel according to Charles. Yeah, I love it. <laughs> so, I, I like yours. Go ahead. Take, take, take what I say with a grain of salt, right? Yeah, yeah. But I see our politicians. I see our politicians as politicians. Yes. And I don't, and I don't mean that as a compliment. No, it's it's it's. But well, you know what we don't have? Tell me. We we don't have statesmen. Oh, there's the distinction. Sheen talked about. We, that. Remember that. Yes. Yeah, well, we used to have we used to have statesmen. Yes, and we really did. We had men and women who could who really spoke. The, look at Margaret Thatcher. Yeah, there you I, go. Wow, I mean, what, just <laughs> dynamic. She she knew what she was saying and she meant it. Uh, even John F. Kennedy mm -hmm. was a statesman. Yep. Uh, that uh, I thought anyway. Uh, we used to have statesmen and stateswomen. We really did. We don't have that anymore. We used to have bishops. Mm -hmm. 
Now I'm generalizing because there are some fine bishops. There are also some fine politicians. Okay. Yes. Okay, there's let, always let me, exceptions. Let me, here. let me qualify that. Yeah. But the majority of our bishops, the way I see them anyway, are CEOs. Yeah. I'm they're, they're in charge of the building and of the money. Yeah. I, I can guarantee you, we were just talking about, uh, about Cardinal Francisco Robles in, in Guadalajara. I can guarantee you that he has a rapport with his priests like like few bishops have i can guarantee you by the kind of man he is mm -hmm. let me let me just put a parenthesis here tell me uh, years years ago to help some to help a group of nuns who were who they were it was impossible to help them but anyway i tried and i went to lincoln nebraska oh yeah right just to, to see what was his name uh, bishop flavin flavin I, I knew him personally great man what what an outstanding and, and tall guy this tall guy right yeah so he i got to the i got to the rectory and i'm uh, and he hang said, on a minute i want to hey time out we got a break i hear the music this is a great okay. story i love uh, you're gonna like it i know i will bishop flavin was a good friend from the church teaches forums i used to record in the 1980s you're listening to the terry and jesse show father charles murr as our special guest, he's got a great story about uh, the Bishop of Lincoln, Nebraska. You won't want to miss it. Stay with us, family. We'll be back in a moment. Welcome back to the Terry and Jesse Show. To join the conversation, call 888-526-2151. Now, here's Terry and Jesse. Welcome back to the Terry and Jesse Show. Father Charles Murr sitting in for Jesse with a special edition. I can't wait to hear the story of the former Bishop of Lincoln, Nebraska, from Father Charles Murr. I'm, I want to hear about this one. Well, Terry, I, I, I got there. I, I went up to, I flew up to Lincoln from yep. Mexico. Okay. To ask him for to ask him for a favor. First of all, he received me. That's good. To see what I wanted, yep. and he didn't, you know, he didn't uh, push me off or anything like. Yes, come up, come up. He gave me the room next to his room wow. in, in the rectory of the fantastic. And the first thing he said, it was, it was, a, it was a, a dinner. We're having a, a casual dinner. There were, you know, you're talking about priestly vocations. Yes, that's what I want when to bring I, up. The year that I was there in yeah. Lincoln, and remember, Lincoln is a, is a, a population oh. of 150,000, yeah. 150,000, and 30% are Catholic. Yes. Okay. They were ordaining, Bishop Flavin was ordaining. 11 men that year to the priesthood. Yes. Unheard Fantastic. Of. You know, I, I want to bring a Unheard story of. after yours about the bishop's conference going to visit him and what they said to him. Go ahead. I'm all ears. Uh, well, so we're at dinner. We finished dinner. Very, yeah. you know, cordial dinner. Was so, it's so wonderful because it's so rare yeah, exactly. to walk into a group, to walk in as a priest to a group of priests yeah. and, and, and immediately be part of that sacred fraternity. The way it should be. Absolutely. It's just, it's marvelous. It was there. It was alive and well. You could feel it just walking into the room. Yeah. Anyway, after dinner, he kind of took me aside and he said, now, tomorrow, I don't know what your plans are for tomorrow. He said, but you're going to be at the barbecue, aren't you? <laughs> what? Okay. And I said, the barbecue? <laughs> he said, yes. He said, I, I might be mistaken on the, on the specifics, but he said, yes, uh, tomorrow's Thursday. And every other Thursday, we have a barbecue here at the at the at the cathedral rectory. I said, "Oh, oh. I, I said, and, and who who's at the barbecue?" He said, "All the priests." He what? said, "On one on one Thursday, 
I have half the priests. And on the other Thursday, two weeks from then, I have the other half of the priests. And then on the Thursday, ne next half and half. Wow. Having it, so did, so they, everybody mingles, everybody gets to know each other. Sure. I, I said, well, sure. That, I said, that sounds fantastic. Well, to my surprise, it was, it was a, a lunch. It began at about 1230. And who's behind the barbecue pit? But the bishop. I love it. In an apron. Sir. And he's flipping burgers. I love it. And making hot dogs and hamburgers. Hot dogs and hamburgers. That was it. And and everybody's got a glass of wine and and, and you know and and hand and he says and he's he said uh, Joe to one of the priests Joe come here he said now you know Gregory you know Gregory from weren't you in in school together this that, the other he said he said I hear the two of you've got a problem he said what's the matter I love he said, it well this one he said he said for God's sake he said can't you can't you figure out a solution <laughs> the two of you work this out come on get get real here I love it Hey, how are you Hank come on over here come on over here I want you to meet the Here's this priest from Mexico. Come over. I couldn't believe. I've never seen anything like it. Mm -hmm. And then he says to me, he said to me once, he said, here's here's uh, uh, Father Gilbert. He said, he said he's our token liberal. <laughs> <laughs> he said, get over here, Gilbert. It, it was magnificent because even those who were not theologically on yeah. the exact same train with him, yeah. it didn't matter. They had a father. Yes. That's they had a real father who loved them, was concerned for them. It, it was fantastic. I, I never saw a, 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 an esprit de corps yeah. as I saw among the among the secular clergy, the diocesan clergy, as I did in Lincoln. He was just a magnificent man, but I, I, I will never forget him. With in civvies, yeah. with the big black apron on, flipping hamburgers. That's awesome. And, and that was it. That's and he so knew all of his priests by name. Yeah, that's were, impressive. Uh, Marvelous. It was so good. We don't have that. That's what we've lost. That's what we've lost. And you know what, Terry? Tell me, Father. That's, that's what the Second Vatican Council was calling for Amen. when it talked about a, reno, a, a renewal yes. in the spiritual life of priests and bishops. Yes. That's what it was talking you about. It. it wasn't talking about anything insanely liturgical and this. And yeah. It was talking about that. Well, you know, it's interesting. There, I've said it. I'm glad you did because that story <laughs> I've never heard before. But it just affirms my belief that he was a very holy man. He oh, told me stories of during World War II as a chaplain, uh, during World War II, uh, you know, anointing men that were dying. Uh, the whole story of Hiroshima, where we put that American flag up, he was the chaplain when that took place. So he has some fantastic stories I wish I would have recorded. But one of the stories that I think you'll find interesting, and the listeners will, uh, the bishops' conference came out to Lincoln because they were ordaining so many priests in this little di in this little diocese. The bishops' conference were going, "What the heck are you doing? I mean, we, we're going to send a you know a couple of our guys out there to check it out." So he told them what he was doing. He was giving them Orthodox teachings. He was the liturgy was. He, he still are you ready for this? Was doing ad orientum. He was having yes. yes he was doing all that yes. at that time. Yes. And when the bishops' conference came out and saw what he was doing, they said, "Okay, we see the results, but we don't buy what you're doing as um, as authentic, you know, Catholic today." And so we're not going to do it. We're not going to change a thing. That was their mistake, in my humble opinion. And it's, the sure similar was. story came out. The bishops' conference went to Mother Angelica years ago, uh, before she passed, obviously, and uh, asked, "What are you doing that you know we couldn't do when it came to?" Uh, TV, because the bishops tried to start their own TV network, and it was a complete failure. 
And uh, Mother gave them the orthodox things of what they're doing. And again, they said they rejected that also. The point I'm making is, let's pray for our bishops' conference, because I, I don't think they get what, you know, I mean, as Bishop Joseph Strickland said one time in 2016 at the bishops' conference, man, do we really believe? And I mean, I'm just repeating what he said. He asked his brother bishops, do we really believe in the Catholic Church teachings on the Eucharist? And yeah. I think that that is the answer, is we need to get back to orthodoxy and have a reform of the reform. Okay, I said it. Well, th- and, and, and very well said. Very well said. Thank you. Did very well. well I'm going to add something to add that. Add to it now. I'm going to add something to hit, that. Hit me. Cardinal Ratzinger. Yes. At the time, Cardinal Ratzinger also made a point. I, I don't. I, I can't quote it right now, but I but I've, I've read it a couple times. Yes. He wasn't so enamored or bedazzled, I should say, by bishops' conferences. <laughs> Nor am I. Either man. Well, I'm with you. Nor am I. Nor am I. And I'll tell you why. And it's the same reason that Ratzinger was not so pleased with them. Because it took away the individual rights of each bishop Amen. To, be his, to be his own man and to, and to really run his own diocese. They all of a sudden got into a flock and they, they had that herd instinct. One size again. fits all. Absolutely. And everybody's afraid of contradicting this one. And, yep. contra- and all of a sudden... Their autonomy was gone. Yeah, I agree. And, and bishops are to be autonomous in, in the in each in his own diocese. That's 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 what's wrong too. But 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 really truly, I see so many of our bishops. Again, not all of them. There are some sure. wonderful saints too. Yes. But I see so many of them who are CEOs. Yep. Period. Yep. And and their priests know this too. There's something else too with 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 uh, with Mother Angelica and with and with Bishop Flavin and everything else. They're coming out to find out what's the answer. How do yeah. you do this? Yeah. First of all, let me just let me just tell you Flavin's secret. Tell me. I don't I don't believe he had a Catholic university in the in the diocese. Interesting. He sent some of his finest priests to be chaplains at the Newman Center, at the University of, of Nebraska. Yeah. And it's the Newman Center. That gave the gave all of these vocations to the wow, priesthood. Oh, interesting! From the secular university, the secular university, fantastic. Well, that is. So, I mean, when you, when 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 you're when you're of God, God takes care of you. Amen. He just does. Amen, right? Father Murr. I only have about three minutes before we have to go, and I am very much convinced that your latest book, Murder in the Thirty Third Degree, that I have in my hands, and we have it in our studio for people to purchase by going to vmpr.org. Um, I just want to ask you, and I know that I want to give a plug to LifeSite News. You did a great job in interviewing with that, so people should go to LifeSite News and listen to John Henry Weston's interview with you. Well, John Henry's John Henry, like yourself, is is, is uh, just a great man and on fire with the, with the love of God he, and his truth. He is, and we go back yeah. 25 years together. Great man is right. Father, uh, give me the reason. I, I mean, I think the reason is this book, it really does an explanation of what we're up against right now inside the church. Give me your summary of why you wrote the book and why people should be getting it. And what, what, what are the benefits of people understanding what Freemasonry is and how it infiltrated the church? Good, a good list of questions there. Let me answer it this way. I wrote the book 
and I've said this before, and people accuse me of being too morbid, especially my friends. <laughs> said, you're too morbid. You're too, uh-huh. don't get off that, get off the death thing. Yeah. Well, I'm not on the death thing, but I do realize that I'm going to die. Of course, and you're and, in your seventies. Give me well, a break. Yes, yes. I mean, this is this is just the way it is. It's reality. And, and I wanted to, and I'm serious about this. Yeah. I wanted to write what I know. Yeah. I know happened because I was part of it. Yeah. I saw it. I participated in it. Right. And I want people to know that this happened. For years, I've been hearing, was Bunini a Freemason? Was Baju a Freemason? Were they really? Was Is this conspiracy talk? Is it Kabbalism? Is it this? That? Yes, they were. Yeah. Period. Yes. I'm telling you, they were. That's a fact. And Cardinal Gagnon's, Cardinal Gagnon's three-year investigation of the entire Roman Curia, commissioned by Pope Paul VI for this reason, to find out what was happening. Cardinal Gagnon's report contains this. And I, I want to use your program right now. Yes, too. To do something that I've, that I've. Of course. I, I don't know why I haven't done on other programs. I wish to ask Pope Francis to uh, open that file. Yes. Open the file. It's now 50 years. It's almost 50 years old. Show us that file. Because in that file are the proofs of the membership of the membership into the Masonic Lodge of Italy of some very important people in the Catholic Church, the man who made all of the world's bishops wow. for 12 years, wow. and, and, and the man who was Nuncio, this man, that man, uh, 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 the man who created our new mass. Wow. You know, there's a, there are, it, it answers a lot of questions Great point. to understand where we are. Great point. Get the book, Murder in the 33rd Degree, from vmpr.org. Father, could I get your blessing and all our listeners receive that blessing? Absolutely. Please. May the blessing of Almighty God, Father, Son, and Holy Ghost descend upon you and remain forever. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Terry Barber. Thank Father, you. Father Murr, once a month we want to have you on. Love your stories. I love your zeal for the faith and also for the truth. The seeking truth, because that's what our Lord said. The truth will set us free. If Jesse was here, I'd say, Jess, what state should you be living in? Of course, he'd say the state of grace. The state of grace. Of course, he'd (laughs) say that. And then I would quote Our Lady of Fatima saying that souls are going to hell because no one's there to pray and make sacrifices. Are you willing to make the sacrifices, Terry, Father Murr, myself, everybody? Yes, we can affect souls for eternity. This is what Our Lady has asked us to do. Let's implement that. Again, I want to thank all of our listeners and our supporters here at vmpr.org. May God richly bless you and your family.